This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. And today, I'm excited for another great, invigorating, insightful show. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. And so here's the deal. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key, the absolute key to raising happy, healthy, engaged, and aware kids is for us parents to do the same things in our own lives, to seek for happiness, health, engagement, and awareness. And with this awareness, we can create our own vision of successful parenting, parent with purpose and intention, and leave the legacy we want to leave for our own children and our grandchildren. Today's show is called Parenting is Hard, Suffering is Optional. And I'm now going to introduce our guest, Kimberly Ann King. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. I wanted to welcome you before I say all this cool stuff about you. Uh, so listen, listen to this about Kimberly. She's a parent of four. That's very key. Step parent of three, also key. And author and co-founder of Inspired Attention, Inc. She's an educational consultant, a speaker, a mentor, and a parent coach. She's lectured at universities all over, public and private schools, parents groups and conferences. She has her PhD, she's a PhD candidate in complementary, alternative, and integrative medical therapies. Her firsthand experience over 20 years has given her this amazing, unique perspective, which we're gonna talk about today, and is all over her amazing book. Her book is called Parenting is Hard, Suffering is Optional, a handbook for parents on the brink. And it really gives us readers a peek into a very funny and heart-wrenching journey as Kimberly discovers the key to becoming a better parent. And this is the key, work on yourself and your children will follow, which is so aligned with Parent Footprint. Um, She realized we can't fix our children, eliminate chaos, but we can become better versions of ourselves and learn along the way to experience joy despite our circumstances, and that suffering is truly optional. Kimberly, you are going to enlighten all of us, all of our listeners who are waiting to hear how we can make this tough job of parenting less difficult or maybe at best manage the suffering and lean into it. So are you ready for that? Yes. <laughs> okay. So what most people don't know who haven't read your book yet, who are going to, this book has actually grabbed people, shook people to the core, and you've had a response that you did not anticipate. So tell us, yeah. tell us about this. 
Absolutely. Um, I began on the journey of writing the book in an effort to help other parents um, who were struggling with extraordinary situations at home because primarily issues with their children. And as I worked with them to help them, you know, cope with their situations, I realized one of the, some of the foundational kind of universal truths that people were really missing and they were getting caught up in the chaos and caught up in firefighting. And um, so I felt compelled to share my story um, because I'm not just, you know, the coach who knows it all but hasn't lived it. I've crawled through the trenches and I continually every day crawl through the trenches with my own children and my own internal demons and struggles. And um, so I really wanted to give this heartfelt, honest look into my life, into my struggles. So people knew that they weren't alone. And I really didn't realize how vulnerable I was being until the book was out there and I started getting responses from parents and how moved they were and how deeply touched they were by my candor and my honesty and, you know, kind of revealing all of my flaws and showing how I've made mistakes, but how through my children and, and the lessons that they've brought for me to look at, how I've really learned and grown um, and become way more of who I truly am. And through it all, we've uh, together, all nine mm -hmm. of us, have found a way um, to be happy despite some ongoing circumstances that most people would be floored by or stopped in their tracks by. And this is really kind of the message that I wanted to get out there is that, you know, despite what's going on in your life, because everybody has chaos or in difficult moments or situations, but it's really being honest with yourself and looking internal and looking at yourself. And that's why I just love the work that you do, um, Dan, is that it's really asking parents to look internal and mm -hmm. go, what's my lesson to, to be learned here? You know, not mm -hmm. what do I need to fix in my kid, but really this is an opportunity for me to grow as a person. And in turn, that allows me to be calmer, clearer, more wise, make better decisions and not live in chaos and not, and not be driven by that or feel victimized by that. And I think that, that when I started putting these stories out, I, gosh, I didn't realize how vulnerable or personal they were until people started telling me how vulnerable and personal they were. And from yeah. that, I, but I think it's been great because people have been, I think they really enjoyed it. And it, it's, it's kind of allowed them to take a deep breath and sigh relief that, oh, it's not just me. I'm not the only one struggling. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of your most powerful. Yeah, it's one of your most powerful messages. Uh, something you just made me think of how you describe this looking inter its internal um, look is, you know, the wise Dalai Lama who says, you know, we can be okay, even when our life situation is not okay. Mm -hmm. And so often when I went reading your book and just thinking about our parenting journey and thinking about life, there's lots of stuff coming at us. Sometimes it's a meteor storm. And how do we 
rely on our own wisdom, our own balance, our own life lessons to try to stay strong and balanced in the face of what are real obstacles. Yeah. So one of the first things you write about is judgment and judging no more. So tell us about that. Tell us about this judgment thing. Well, in all of my studies over the last 20 years, um, one of the most important concepts that I have learned is that much of our internal angst and our struggle stems from judgment. Not only judgment of other people, but judgment of ourselves, judgment of our children. And um, when we stand in judgment, meaning I'm judging someone else as wrong or I'm judging someone else is not doing enough or they're not normal. And I hear that a lot from, from especially from parents, is I just wish my child were normal, uh, whatever that actually means. But it, it's their own internal perspective of what normal should look like. That clinging to those beliefs that I'm, I'm right in knowing that what this is normal and this is how someone should behave, including my child, that causes a lot of pain and suffering. Um, not only does it cause pain and suffering to the person being judged, and you know, I'm, I'm also twice exceptional and dyslexic and epileptic, and I get very frustrated when people respond to learning that with, oh, I feel so sorry for you. And mm-hmm. that's really a judgment, and it's very disempowering to me because I'm just fine as I am, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm perfectly capable of coping with all of my issues. And I've found ways um, of accommodating myself so I can be successful in life and be happy. And so I really don't want anyone else's worry or um, judgment that, you know, somehow I'm, I'm suffering or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm less than. But um, I think that that applies um, between parents and children, especially because when parents are worried about their children, they're sending a message that I really don't feel that you're going to be okay without some extraordinary intervention or my help or, you know, there's something wrong and it needs to be mm-hmm. fixed or you need extraordinary help. And in that worry, um, you're sending a very strong message to the other person or to the child that they're not okay as they are. And that can be a source of uh, shame. It can be a source of fear that the parent might go away. It can be a source of, you know, I just feel out of control of my own life. And then I become codependent on, on whoever's worrying about me. I need this person to be okay. And then we see these children grow up into their, you know, late teens and early 20s and still being codependent on mom or dad, whoever is the Mm -hmm. primary caregiver. And that's very disabling for a child. And so um, I've learned so many different ways about how to let go of judgment. And, you know, when I'm working with families, my, my first intuition is to give them, you know, little things to start with. Stop judging yourself. Stop judging the person who cuts you off in traffic. Stop, you know, judging your outfit, you know, worrying about if I don't measure up and, and start in these little places. And then you can expand into the bigger, more difficult, more vulnerable places where you might not even realize you're judging. I mean, I think people understand what like bigotry and racism is, but this that subtle judgment that can be insidious and it can make you very, very unhappy. And, 
usually when people step into judgment, it means that they don't feel okay for whatever they're looking at, whatever they're seeing in the other person is reflecting back to them something that they're not okay with. And so if it's um, something overt like racism, they look at the other person and see them as different, but they're really internally terrified that they'll be judged as different and therefore they cast judgment to make themselves feel okay. Unfortunately, judgment is like a, a very temporary salve. It might make your fear and your uncomfortableness feel better in the moment, but about five seconds after you cast the judgment, the fear and the anxiety, it it all comes rushing back. And then you have this almost karmic moment where you feel guilty or you feel bad about uh, the judgment that you cast. And so whoever's judging and whoever's on the other end of the judgment, no one's happy, No no one's winning in that situation. And so for parents to really recognize that when they're judging their child, There's very little room for compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. And when a parent isn't struggling with the same issues as a child, let's say a child's ADHD and one of the parents is highly organized and and can't empathize with what it's like to be disorganized, they stand in judgment of like, well, I just don't understand why you can't just do it. And um, without that compassion, the child can feel um, a little bit lost And the parent really struggles then. Like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. And everybody's so unhappy in the home. And that's really, you know, we have to work on the judgment, move that aside so we can make room for compassion and gratitude, which is really where we as humans find our joy. And that's where the suffering is alleviated. Right. And I was, you're bringing up this next important point about gratitude. And as we transition there, um, I was also thinking as you're speaking about, you know, uh, acceptance, right? So is judgment on one side of the coin and acceptance would be the other thing. Instead of just not judging, are are we striving for acceptance of ourselves and our children? Absolutely. There's radical acceptance. I mean, that's what we're working towards. I think as humans, it's, unrealistic to, you know, kind of think that we can get all the way there. (laughs) But it's something I think that we need to continually strive for um, is that radical acceptance of going, Mm -hmm. you know, I am a unique person and I'm, you know, and I'm a human and I'm flawed and I'm struggling and I'm on my path and I'm doing the best that I can. The last thing I want anyone to do is judge me for the mistakes I make along the way because I'm really good at judging myself and, you know, inflicting that upon myself. You know, I don't need any help from anybody else. Um, And that's something I need to work on is to let go of my own self-judgment and like kind of giving myself a hug and going, I made a mistake. It's okay. You know, what did I learn? What might I do different next time? It's okay. This is how we as humans grow. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the gratitude piece is really, a, it's kind of the, um, it is the, is the key to fulfilled, a fulfilled life. And I think the um, many lessons I've learned of how to step into gratitude is stop energizing the negative, really start to energize the positive. And um, it's hard to do if you're not in a place of acceptance, if you can't accept you know, again, going back to the ADHD child, you can't accept the impulsivity, you can't accept the um, inattentiveness or the lack of ability to transition, that that's just not acceptable. 
it's very hard then because you're constantly focused on what you need to fix or what you want to change. And you can't energize what's wonderful about these, ch these children is because usually ADHD children have these amazing qualities and unbelievable gifts. And that's what we as parents really want to focus on and energize. And therein lies the gratitude is, you know, I have a house full of ADHD children and my husband is ADHD and I probably have a few tendencies myself. And <laughs> they all have these just amazing qualities. And so, you know, when my 18-year-old walks into the house and he starts, you know, making strange noises or telling me these crazy stories of, you know, that result from his inattentiveness that occur mm -hmm. every day, we laugh and, and it's just a joyful moment. And, I'm, you know, and it's so much easier than focusing on the negative or what didn't happen. And, and when things fall apart, we really go, okay, what did we learn? If there was a failure, there was a catastrophe, something fell apart, something didn't happen as we would have wanted. It's, it's an opportunity to go, what did we learn? How do we, you know, how do we move forward from here? But it's really energizing the positive, looking for those little moments of what's grateful. And then, you know, I have some parents that have some just really unbelievable situations with their kids and they're really struggling maybe with chronic illness. Um, or mm -hmm. they have a whole bunch of kids like I do that have all kinds of problems and it's coming at them from every direction and it just can get overwhelming. And in those moments, I encourage them to breathe, slow down and look for the little things. I mean, it may be a beautiful flower. It may be the sun's out. It may be being grateful for my home or the food that I have. And then you can get back into that higher energy of, you know, not feeling victimized by everything around you. And you can start energizing and looking for the positive because that's what's going to bring you up into your higher, wiser self. So you can be the best version of yourself so you can cope with whatever comes your way. And so that's why I think gratitude and acceptance are. Yeah, gratitude yeah. and acceptance and focusing on the positive and not the negative. And the other thing that I think gets wedged in there, you know, you, when you talked about your son coming in and talking about the latest, uh, you know, inattentive adventure of the day, yeah. um, <laughs> is worry is parent, parent worry comes in right away. Right. And I know how easy it is in my own experience too. like, Oh, well, what if they never figure that out and how are they ever going to go to college and how, so right, right away that worry just creeps in and like, hijacks us which is why i loved your perspective of like oh you know like looking at the humor and yeah. having fun with the relationship as opposed to going down the worry or the negative train yeah worry is an, is an instant it's a draw i mean we're drawn to worry we're as humans we're drawn to drama if you will and we like to dramatize things and i think that's where you know when you are in your higher wise self that's the that's the, the lure, if you will. That's like the egoic self that's really trying to create that drama and, and really resist that and, and stand in, um, you know, is this really going to serve anyone if I, if I inflame the situation or dramatize this? And like you said, you're worried about, well, will they be able to do this in the future? And that's really honoring them as an independent human being on their own path. 
And I think that's, you know, a chronic problem we have with parents right now, and certainly I've been guilty of this in many moments, and I still struggle with it, is taking responsibility for our children. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when our children reach a certain age, they need to take on more and more responsibility with every passing day for their own choices, for their own path. And the more that we allow that, the more that we become unenmeshed with our children, you know, cutting that umbilical cord, if you will, um, the more that they're going to thrive. And they'll figure it out. And they may have to skin their knees along the way. And I know you talk about this a lot, of allowing them to experience failure so they can learn. Allow them to struggle and flounder. Because you know, kids with challenges, and, and I am one of them, I had to learn how to figure it out for myself because only I know how I can succeed. You know, I, right. I can read all the books right. on the planet. I can go to see all the specialists on the world, but the answer is really going to come from within me or from within that child. And um, so we really have to allow them to explore to feel safe enough to fail. And, and that's how, you know, because if we're completely enmeshed with the kid from now until they're 20, um, it, it's not pretty, you know? And I, I have one in my house who's 20 and, and is not thriving and, and in part because I stayed enmeshed with him for too long. I did not- When you talk about how hard it is to cut that, um, um, that invisible umbilical cord, Right. Yeah. That's what it is. It's so hard. It is so hard. Mm. And especially if the child is not thriving, if the child mm-hmm. is chronically ill or has, um, you know, a neurological challenge or a learning challenge or a- any kind of um, issue um, that, that makes life a little tougher than normal. It is, you know, we're mom and dad and it pulls at our heartstrings and we don't want them to suffer any more than they they have to. But they may be suffering. And so the the instinct is to go in and to just ease the suffering. And um, that that is also um, disempowering. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, having a chronically ill child, it was it was a huge awakening to recognize that all of my enabling, all of my caring, all of my love and smothering and helping and this and that was actually disempowering my son. And he became um, sad and depressed because he didn't believe he had anything to offer the world. He looked to me for everything to answer question, what to eat, what to wear. And, and it was it was really just an eye-opening moment when I realized I was the one that was contributing to his lack of forward movement because I was Mm -hmm. helping too much. I was, I was doing too much. And, um, so that, that's really knowing where that line in the sand is every day with a child. And that's the question I get all the time. When am I enabling? When am I helping? And I, that's where you have to be in that higher energy where you're connected to your wise, grounded, clear self. That's not manically fighting fires where you can find those answers. Yeah, and differentiate, I find, as a parent and with my clients as well, are we jumping in because we can't stand um, our child's suffering? Are we jumping in because we can't stand our own suffering? Are we saying it's for them when it's actually for us? And there's no right or wrong answer except to actually ask ourselves these questions to increase 
our awareness in the situation to guide what we should do or not do in these difficult situations. It is so true because I think it's very easy to say, well, I'm doing this to help my child. When in reality, if you dig a little deeper and you're willing to look in the mirror, you recognize that I feel so uncomfortable. I'm unhappy. This is so, you know, because of my own experiences, my life experiences, my experiences as a child, this is triggering some fear or anger or frustration, whatever it's triggering within me. And I'm trying to feel better. And um, for me, I grew up as as a perfectionist. And um, despite whatever challenge I had, I did really well in school. And despite my medical issues, I never complained because I wanted Mm -hmm. to be that perfect child. And um, (laughs) I recognize that (laughs) my issues from my childhood were reflecting back onto how I was responding to my child. And that was hurting our relationship. It was hurting his progress. And you know, I was looking for any way possible to hold up the sign to the world to say, see, I'm okay. You know, he he got an A on this test or he got into this college or it didn't matter what state my son was in. I wanted some validation that I was okay and that we were on some kind of path to somewhere. (laughs) You know, I wanted that stamp from the universe. You're a good mom or, you know, you're okay. But because of all of my stories about what okay meant, in my world, okay meant you got straight A's and you went to college and you got a job and you did all this normal stuff. And I had to let, I had to break that story up. So I wasn't constantly trying to soothe my own pain because I couldn't look at my kids and be okay. And so you're very, you're very correct in saying that we always need to go internal and ask ourselves the question, what's driving my behavior? What's driving my mm-hmm. emotions and my thoughts? Is it my desire to feel okay or am I really just doing this in the best interest of my child? You know, you, you've said so much, um, you've said so much, and there's so much in the book, so I'm going to ask a tough question. <laughs> okay. The question is, the reason it's tough is because I'm going to ask for one thing. If there is one thing that you would suggest to our listeners right now who are all nodding and, um, you know, feeling some potential deep feelings right now, um, anyone listening to the show wants to be the best parent they could be. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one thing you would recommend to parents that they do or focus on if there was just one? I think really, first of all, to know that if you're suffering, it is optional. There's a choice. And when I, what I like to tell parents is if you're not happy with your situation regarding your children or your home life or whatever's going on at home, if you're unhappy, Um, Our first instinct is to try to fix, to go to fix the child or fix whatever's going wrong at home. My encouragement is to go within yourself. Use the things that are triggering you in your environment. I I used to like make your top 10 list. These are the things that are driving me crazy at home, (laughs) no matter how ridiculous Mm -hmm. they are. No one puts their laundry away. 
and use those as a springboard to work on yourself, to work on why are those things so important to me? Why are those things driving me crazy? And um, sometimes it requires us to go work with a, a great therapist or counselor or psychologist. Whatever you need to do to work on those issues, I encourage parents to do because when we shift for the positive, yeah. our children will shift in kind. And the greatest mm -hmm. advancements I've seen in children and my own children is when the parent does their own growth work and works on their own issues. Because all of a sudden, the kids respond to the more calm, wise parent. And you know, if mom and dad aren't worried and anxious all the time, the kids sense that. I don't care how well you think you're hiding it. We know from all the research out there about energy exchange that people read energy and they know when you're worried and anxious. And no child wants to be the source of that for their parent. And so Absolutely. when we, we let go of our issues and work on issue, our issues, those things can be less triggering, whatever they are in our environment. And then the house becomes a more peaceful place and the children tend to thrive. And, and awesome. that's, that's what I would recommend yep. is to do your own work, work on yourself, because that's really all you can control. The rest of it is really not within your control. You can control so yourself, true. but no one else. When we shift, they shift. I like that. Absolutely. All right, it's time for our parent footprint moment. Okay. <laughs> Kimberly's ready for this question. She's got <laughs> hundreds of them in her book. Um, and so that question is the parent footprint moment question. Tell us about a time when you, Kimberly, became aware of yourself as a person and or as a parent. They tend to go hand in hand. Right. And that awareness had a positive impact on your child. Well, I'll tell you the one that, that hit me in the head like a brick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was probably one of the earlier moments when I started to do work on myself. And um, we were going through a rough time in our family. And I decided to do something unusual and treat myself to like four days at a spa out of state with some girlfriends. This is something mm -hmm. that is very out of character for me. I would never have normally done this because I would have considered it selfish or, right. you know, there's too much to be done at home. So I decided, you know, I need to get away. I need a break. And I went away for four days with some girlfriends and we had a great time. And I did all kinds of fun things I've never done before. I, you know, jumped off a 50 foot pole in the desert and went down a zip line and I... Um, there were all kinds of fun things that went on and we had a great time and I was relaxed and I came back home and my oldest son, who at the time was 13, immediately said to me, mom, you know that house across the street that they're building where before the walls were up and it was just like beams, it didn't feel all that stable, but now the walls and the bricks are up, the house feels really stable that's how you feel to me right now. You feel really stable, and that's good because now I don't have to worry about you anymore. And that's I just got when the it chills. Wow. Hit me like a brick that my son, the chronically ill child who was the mystery child and was suffering from pain, and he's, an, he's actually very, very intelligent, but struggling in school, is dysgraphic. You name it, he has every diagnosis under the sun. 
the one I've worried about since the day he was born, told me how much he was worried about me mm-hmm. and all of my worry that, you know, it was like <laughs> this back and forth. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I'm contributing in part right. to his suffering. And that was when I realized that I needed to go do my work. I needed to go take care of myself and put my oxygen mask on first before I could be of any value to my child. And, and that, was, that was my moment that I always go back to whenever I feel I'm, I'm being led a little bit astray. And I go, no, 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 <laughs> I need to make sure that I'm okay. Because if I'm not okay, the kids are not going to be okay because they're really looking to me to be solid. When mom's solid, I don't need to worry. <laughs> but if mom's freaking out, yeah. then they, they don't yeah. really have a compass. And, and I think we really have to be the model, if you will, um, of the person we would want our children to become. Ah. Uh. Yes, I was going to say perfect, but no, we're, we're, you and I are recovering perfectionists, so we're not using that word, but that yeah. is right on the mark, and that is beautiful. I mean, how much that exemplifies um, who we are matters, how we take care of ourselves matters for our kids, and how our own internal state of what we show our kids really has a huge impact on their own stability, uh, mental health, and just well-being. So Absolutely. thank you for sharing that. So unfortunately, we're, gosh, we're done. We're done. We can talk for so long, but I want everyone to go get Kimberly's book. My wife and I were laughing. Um, I was reading and had tears in my eyes. Um, she made me feel better about our current ACT struggles that we were going through. There, There is something in there to make you feel okay about yourself, reduce judgment, increase acceptance and gratitude, and really try to find a way to live in the moment. So Kimberly, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. So fun. And uh, tell everyone where they can find your book, Parenting is Hard, Suffering is Optional, and more about you. Uh, You can find the book on Amazon, and you can find out more about me at my website, which is inspiredattention.com. And um, I have a lot of blogs out there, too, and I've been continuing to share my journey via the blogs. So I think people might enjoy those as well. They definitely will. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. Remember who you are matters. Be the person you want your kids to be. And ask yourself the same question I ask myself every day. What footprint Do you want to leave?